Welcome to the Heather McCoy Show. In our middle segment today, we'll get to part three of my series from reporting from the NAM conference that was in Anaheim late January of this year. Then rounding out the hour, uh, Robert Larson will join us from the other side of Cleveland National Forest. But we'll, first, we'll start off with a regular contributor, the blogger behind FailedTheSchemes.com, Neil DeMoss. Welcome to the show, Neil. Morning, Heather. Well, we should probably pick up where we left off last week. That is the new Fenway Park, which, if you don't know, by now is Bank of America Stadium, where the Carolina Panthers play football. In addition to providing funding to replace scoreboards that haven't even been installed yet, one city council member wants to create a slush fund to start funding a replacement for uh, the new Fenway Park. His logic is that in another 15 years, the stadium will be 32 years old. Um, you write that he's the first self-blackmailing politician uh that you know of, uh, or does he know how the game is played and at this point he wants the city to be prepared for when the ask is made? Uh, you know, it almost doesn't matter, you know, whether yeah. he's being cynical or being or being uh, devious, right? I mean, yeah. the, the, the thing here is, and this, this just astounds me, right? So the, the Panthers asked for money for, uh, for, for renovations to their privately built, privately owned stadium, and the council said, okay, fine, we're going to raise, uh, we'll raise restaurant taxes. But it turns out you don't need 30 years worth of restaurant taxes to pay for the amount of money the Panthers have, have asked for. So instead of saying, okay, fine, so we'll, you know, raise taxes by less, or we'll raise taxes by the 1%, but we'll set aside part of it for something else, you know, they're like, well, this is great, because now we're going to get more money than we need to give the Panthers. So if we need to give the Panthers more money later, we'll have extra. <laughs> yeah. Just, I mean, oh, it's, wow. it's really jaw-dropping, you know, that, I, I mean, you know, I've seen, you know, I've been following this for forever now, right? And I've certainly seen plenty of local elected officials sort of, you know, um, bow down to the demands of sports owners and sort of, you know, put, almost put themselves in a position where they feel like, you know, their job is to support the sports teams <laughs> rather than just, you know, do what's best for, for their citizens and taxpayers. Yeah. But I really have not seen anybody come out and say, Oh, you know, they haven't asked for a new stadium, and we're renovating the current one so they don't ask for a new stadium. But, you know, once this place is like 30 years old, of course they're going to need a new stadium. So, (laughs) um, you know, we might as well start saving up now for it. And, I mean, I think to me, you know, it's just a sign of how ingrained, you know, the team owners' arguments have gotten into, you know, sort of the public discourse that it used to be, you know, you could imagine a stadium that was 30, 40, 50 years old, or Fenway Park, 100 years old, right? And it wasn't considered, you know, ridiculous to imagine, oh, well, you know, they're playing in an older stadium, but they're playing in an older stadium. People do that. And now the idea is, you know, you know, there's almost this planned obsolescence that once a stadium is 20 to 30 years old, well, of course you have to replace it. Who could possibly play in a building that, you know, is older than some of the players in it. Yeah, yeah. It seems like the new standard is now drinking age. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and it's getting lower, you know. I mean, it's, 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 I don't know how far this can go, and we're back to the statement I think I've, I've mentioned before in this program, you know, the economist Rod Fort, who I asked um, about 12 years ago now when the uh, Orlando Magic were asked for a new arena um, when theirs was only about 10 or 12 years old. And I said, "How? What do you think the shelf life is of a stadium or arena these days?" And he said, "From the perspective of a sports team owner, I don't see anything wrong with getting a new stadium every year as long as you're not the one paying for it." Yeah, yeah. So, what are the other uh, financial details of the um, slush fund that's proposed besides a restaurant tax? 
Um, that, that's the main piece, but the idea is that you're not going to need 30 years of a of a 1% hike um, in order to fund uh, what is like $144 million um, to uh, just for renovations. Oh, okay. Um, that's that slush fund. There's also they're asking for state money for the current renovations on top of that, and that's still to be worked out. I mean, again, it, it astounds me when a team that is privately owned um, the, you know, the stadium is privately owned. The team's owner says he doesn't want to move the team, although he says he's, you know, oh, I'm going to have to sell the team before I die because it's a state tax. I can't just give it to my, my children. Um, but, you know, it, it's, we've seen this so many times where the owner says, I don't want to move. I'm not going to threaten to move. The team's not moving. And then local elected officials are just falling all over themselves to say, well, we have to give them money or else they're going to move. Yeah, um, and it really—I mean—it's something I, I want to look into more because teams almost never move. You know, I mean, yes, teams do move occasionally, but there's absolutely the exceptions to the rule. So it—it uh, it amazes me the degree to which this threat continues to to hold so much sway. Yeah, I don't know if you caught this or not, but um, and NASCAR owner Burton Smith, who is in his 80s, offered to buy the Carolina Panthers from Jerry Richardson, who's in his 60s. So who's going to die first? <laughs> it was—it was a very odd thing i don't uh, yeah i don't get that speaking of uh jerry richardson he had another uh, you know we had another honestly slip when he said that when asked about why his team couldn't foot the bill uh for the stadium repairs he said quote nfl franchises are so coveted that they don't have to pay there's only 32 two highly honest moments from two different team owners are you know are they confident that their own pr you know plus the local media to sell the stuff or is this a new trend of Owners just throwing caution to the wind. Right. So last week was Mike Deese of the Dolphins saying, yeah. uh, saying, right, saying that, that uh, you know, we, we, we're not going to get put, put our own money uh, into, a, into stadium renovations because, you know, that doesn't, it's not a good business decision. At the same time, they're asking the public to do it. Yeah. And now you've got, you've got Jerry Richardson <laughs> effectively saying, well, you know, you know, as I as I wrote on my blog, you know, it's it's the old Billy Tomlin routine. You know, we don't care, we don't have to care. We're the phone company. Um, you know, we're a monopoly, and you know, we can do whatever you like because what are you going to do? You can't get another league. Um, so, you know, I think I think they probably in both cases it was a little more of not quite thinking of how this was going to come off. You know, yeah. they're they. I'm sure this is how they talk. You know, amongst themselves and with fellow owners and things like that. And, you know, you forget when you're talking to the press that um, actually, you know, talking openly about your strategy uh, isn't necessarily the best thing from a PR standpoint. But, yeah. you know, I think, I think they're confident that, you know, a slip like this isn't going to uh, isn't gonna last that long. You know, I mean, like we talked about last week, I mean, you know, stadium campaigns go on a long time. If they fail one year, you can come back the next year and... The idea is you can take out an awful lot of uh, campaign ads to make people forget about something you said, you know, one day to a to a news reporter. Yeah, um, where where does the improvement bill stand in the Carolina uh, legislature currently? Um, you know, I'm not sure. It's it's sort of starting to work its way through the process. I don't haven't been able to get a good sense of uh, whether the uh, you know what kind of level of support it's got there. Um, you know, the the again, the, the sort of the idea here, I feel like, is that the teams try and get as much momentum as they can get going, right? So, you know, now that Charlotte has approved it, it's like, well, you know, people in Charlotte want it, so um, and they're paying most of the putting most of the bill. So, is it really that much for the for the uh, 
you know, state to put in a few tens of millions of dollars when the city's putting in hundreds, you know, over a hundred million. Um, so, you know, I think I think this and and the Dolphins thing and the Falcons thing and all the different you know football stadium plans that are kicking around right now are going to sort of slowly work their way through. And um, you know, there are legislative sessions that are going to run out eventually. But again, I don't particularly think that uh, that the team owners are that concerned about it. You know, because they know that. If it doesn't get done this year, they can do it next year. Yeah. Um, in Atlanta, the Falcons are currently in a holding pattern, as you were saying, to see if they'll get the extra $100 million to build a replacement for the Georgia Dome, which is 21 years old. The Falcons CEO, Rich McKay, made a threat that if they didn't get the money, they'll build a privately financed stadium in the Atlanta suburbs. As a threat, that one doesn't seem that effective. I mean, it's not even L.A., and... Um, since the extra hundred million hasn't been flat out denied, uh, where are they at trying to receive it? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. That, I mean, well, I mean, it's not really an extra hundred million, right? Because they were originally asking for three hundred million, and then there was this sort of sense: oh, well, two hundred million is what they can do under the current bonding limit. Um, so, but they still need to. It, it, it's it's now two hundred million up front and like a hundred million or so down the road from, oh, okay. from as tax money comes in. So um, they they need they somehow seem to have managed to shift the um, venue from the Atlanta uh, from the Georgia State Legislature to the Atlanta City Council. So now that's sort of where the where the battles are going on, and that's where where McKay uh, made his statement about about moving to the suburbs. I thought it was really interesting that um, you're already starting to see some some pieces in the local press. Um, Saying, uh, you know, that's not a terrible thing. If they want to move to the suburbs, let them move to the suburbs. It's better than throwing all this money at them. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether that's necessarily going to hold sway with the Atlanta City Council because, again, you know, um, councils tend to get uh, territorial about this stuff and think, oh, no, we can't let them leave for the suburbs, even though it, it seems almost certain that whatever they would lose in terms of uh, local revenue from, you know, people uh, buying beers outside city limits instead of inside city limits um, is probably not going to be enough to make up for what they would have to spend on a new stadium. Um, but we'll see. You know, I mean, there was a lot, there was a lot of criticism in the city council um, initially for this deal. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see sort of like whether that, you know, we're going to take your team away and move it out to the suburbs is going to be enough to sway these people. Yeah, as you're writing in your blog this week, the TV tax, the TV money isn't taxable. So um, what kind of revenues does the Atlanta Falcons uh, bring in? Because I don't think it covers the $300 million anytime soon. Yeah, I think there's a 1% Atlanta sales tax. Um, so, yeah, so that basically when people buy stuff at the stadium, um, Atlanta gets a small cut, but you know, I, I did a little bit of the math on the, on my site, and the Falcons' overall revenue is about two hundred thirty nine million dollars a year. You got to figure a lot of that is TV contracts. So one percent tax, you're talking, you know, maybe a million dollars a year, which is not an awful lot of money when you're comparing it to spending three hundred million. Um, so I mean, you know, I think Atlanta would be much better off saying to the state legislature, okay, well let's you know take this money and spend it on you know, find something else we can spend it on that would actually benefit Atlanta a lot more than a football stadium. Um, but I don't know if uh, if we're at that point yet. But but maybe, again, you know, push hasn't really come to shove on the, on the city council at this point. Yeah. Uh, do you care to give us an over-under on the revival of the USFL? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, this 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 is a funny story of the week, right? I always like to have one. Um, and some, somebody has apparently gotten hold of the uh, rights to the name of the USFL and is trying to start up another, you know, uh, independent football league and is trying to get, like, sort of small-sized cities to build 20,000-seat stadiums to have USFL franchises in, like, these small cities that I guess I figure will be desperate for any kind of development, so might uh, might be willing to help out with this. I mean, if I could think of a worse gamble than putting money into a stadium for a USFL team, <laughs> you know, a league that doesn't exist, a league is probably not going to exist, and a league that, if it ever does exist, is almost certainly not going to exist for very long. Um, I, you know, I hope that this whole thing just, just sort of, you know, goes away and with you know, and follows down the route of all the other sports leagues that have, people have claimed they're going to start and never actually gotten going. Um, but you never know, you know. I mean, dumber things have happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll, let's see. You want odds? I'll give you 10 to 1 um, on them ever starting at all and on them lasting more than a year. Um, I, I don't know what... <laughs> <laughs> a Google to one, you know, something mammothly huge. <laughs> Do you think Vegas has put odds on this already, or? Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, and also too, the thing that kept thought in my mind when I read the press release was, what are the odds that this new USL USFL is just a shady real estate scheme like the mess in Henderson, Nevada? Yeah, no, totally. That's <laughs> another possibility. Is like you know, it's very possible that this is sort of like this this. Uh, you know, thing they're throwing out there, and if it worse, all they do is get some cities interested in building, you know, giving land, right, for 20,000-seat uh, stadiums, then, hey, they've got some options on some land they can use it for something else. Yeah, something, exactly. something that makes a lot more sense than another USFL. <laughs> yeah. Which would be pretty much anything. Yeah, pretty much anything. Um, our guest has been Neil DeMoss. He runs com. You can also buy the book Field of Schemes. Thank you for joining us on the Heather McCoy Show. Always a pleasure. Talk okay. next week.